Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. This is the podcast that's digging into the digital revolution and looking at the extraordinary changes taking place in the world all around us. And, you know, it's interesting as we see this, it isn't just the digital stuff that's making the magic. I think there are ways in which it is giving more and more people the chance to step up, be seen, be heard, be engaged and be involved. And we've got a fantastic example of that today with one of our monthly digital all-stars, Christian Anschutz. Um, Christian, as uh, regular followers here know, has been a CIO, a CDO. He's an entrepreneur, a visionary, a dreamer, and also was a captain in the United States Marine Corps. So no longer on uh, uh, active, but also very involved in it. And Christian has just been in uh, deeply involved in helping to lead an amazing thing called Task Force Tribute that we're going to hear about some today. Christian, sorry for the long lead up, but you're a guy who deserves it. How you doing? I am well, and thank you for having me here again. It's good to see you. It's uh, It's been a, a minute. Normally, we talk about it on a monthly basis, but because of that Task Force Tribute thing, I think it's been uh, almost two months now. Yeah, yeah, it has. I know I've sort of followed some of the things going on there and what you've been involved with, but you know, everybody, uh, one of the things that Christian and I talk about a lot is leadership, both what he's done uh, in the corporate world and the military and just his overall outlook on life. And I think being, uh, you know, when I said a dreamer and an adventurer, an inventor, an entrepreneur, I think those things of just seeing the world as it could be, uh, not just as it is. And I think, Christian, I think it's fair to say that that was part of what was behind Task Force Tribute, right? You wanted to uh, recognize the extraordinary sacrifices that have been made by uh, military families across the board over the last 20 years since the global war on terror began, and especially those who made the ultimate sacrifice to keep the rest of us safe. Yeah, it was, uh, it was recognizing uh, uh, all those that have fallen 7,000 since 9-11. Uh, 7,000 plus actually have, have given everything uh, since uh, the global war and terrorism started. Uh, but it's also to recognize all those that participated and all those uh, that contributed and all the family members that supported, uh, you know, we're gold star family members that supported the family members that are uh, service members that are no longer here, but, and also the, the ones that still are. Um, and, you know, that in itself is a little bit different. Normally we think about um, things like honoring and remembering and memorializing, uh, you know, those that fell. Uh, there's a lot uh, of work we were uh, doing, um, did and are, are still working on, uh, of course, in terms of kind of broadening that and recognizing those that fell, but also those that are still with us and their amazing stories uh, of sacrifice and service uh, to this country and to all of us. Yeah, Chris, and that's why I think at the opener there, when I, I talked about that thing, there there can be, a, you know, understandably in some ways, so much emphasis on the technological advances that are being made today and on this stuff itself. I think what's always been more interesting is what does that stuff let people do? And so part of what you were doing with Task Force Tribute, right, was there's always been these people out there with these phenomenal stories, but either there hasn't been... Uh, the appropriate medium through which to tell those or an effort that tried to surface those. And that's what I think is just so captivating about what Task Force Tribute is about. Um, can you give us a little update on where things stand with you know, your ideas to help elevate, uh, raise these stories up so more people can 
see them and hear about them? Well, it, there's there's two sides to it. There's certainly the sharing so more people can see them and hear them. Uh, there's the other side, which is um, perhaps more important and, and almost feels a little bit darker. It's not darker you know, in a bad way, but heavier. Maybe that's the way I should say it. Um, and that the sharing actually is important for the people that are you know, imparting the stories uh, for a number of different reasons. Um, so just to, let me back up a little bit. So we got back on September. We, we finished Task Force Tribute, which is a three uh, week, 22 days. It's not a coincidence. It was a 22 day uh, journey uh, starting from Michigan, finishing up in uh, Washington, D.C., covering one mile for every service member lost since 9-11. That uh, was 7,054. Uh, great send off. I mean, we had the governor launched us, the governor, uh, Gretchen Whitmer, uh, launched us out of the, the, from the steps of the state Capitol, a full military honors. It was uh, amazing. We had state and local legislators, uh, the adjutant general, a uh, huge turnout, uh, as our convoys is getting convoy, uh, is getting ready to, uh, you know, begin this long journey and my favorite part. I mean, this is seems so silly, but you know, I'm old enough to, you know, to, to, to know better, be better perhaps, but I'm still a kid at heart when they did the 21 cannon salute. Okay. Not a 21 gun salute, 21 wow. cannon. Salute. Wow. And um, when they, when they pulled the first lanyard and the first cannon went off uh, to see, you know, 200 people like jump out of their shoes. Cause it was a, a cannon. And by the way, they usually only do that for um, uh, presidents and uh, uh, both the United States and uh, foreign countries, but they did it for task force tribute, but it just, that kind of set the tone and we crossed the country going from community to community there wasn't a place we stopped where there wasn't uh, uh, the media uh, do a task force tribute news. You'll find 500, 600, 700 uh, articles uh, about us Um and that's all really nice. It was flattering, but what was so amazing uh, on this journey, and I'm kind of rambling a little bit, and I apologize for that. Not at all. That it, in our effort to go and, and recognize these people, to hear from them, to capture the stories of the people that would show up that we could talk to, and this is both military members and, and family members and whatnot, um, the reception we were met at at all these communities was nothing short of, of, of humbling. Um, whether it was... Uh, you know, uh, people coming together from all around a, a state to, to meet us at a memorial or perhaps at a, at a concert or a fairground, uh, or it was uh, the little things like um, us arriving really, really late in a destination and a restaurant staying open for four hours, way past their closing time and staying open four hours so that they could, we could roll in and they could feed us. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, very candidly uh, and, and sincerely uh, here, uh, we the, the media would have us think that our, our own country is at war uh, with ourselves. Um, and certainly while our effort was directed very sort of centrist, politically centrist, we went right from a Democratic governor to a Republican governor from Michigan to Ohio. And they, they it was completely middle of the road. We didn't see that w at war with one another. We saw all sorts of uh, party perspectives, ideological perspectives, all coming around this notion that this country is worth fighting for. Our service members that do it, uh, especially those that fell, uh, deserve to be honored and remembered. And it was uh, unanimously uh, supported by every sort of political and ideological spectrum that we saw. And people came together around it. It was so inspiring. And it was, it gave me, 
uh, not that I lost hope, but it gave me a renewed sense of it, at least in this dimension. And uh, incredibly rewarding and humbling. Did I even answer the question or did I just go on a long ramble there? <laughs> no, no, it's fa fascinating, Chris. And really, before we go any farther, and we, we'll, we'll come back to this again too toward the end, but for anybody who wants to find out more about Task Force Tribute, Chris, and where, should, where can he or she go? Taskforcetribute.org, O-R-G. Uh, the organization that did it is also a 501c3. It's projectrelo.org, project R-E-L-O, reload.org. Uh, Please go there. And if you're a military member, by the way, uh, or a family of a military member, uh, or a friend, and you've got a story, you want to tell a story, contact us. We're reaching out to people. We're still collecting uh, assets uh, right now. Uh, and we're working on all sorts of activities associated with building this very, very uh, interesting, very, very smart, high-tech virtual memorial uh, like the world's never seen before. So we're working on that, too. Got some great companies behind this and backing this, uh, adding some real oomph and gravitas to it. So if you've got something you want to share, uh, we would love to hear from you. Projectreload.org, taskforcetribute.org. Oh, Christian, thanks. Uh, uh, no, you weren't rambling in any way. I mean, this is something... Uh... I don't know. You're right that I think the media, uh, in particular, various politicians, I think they set out every morning to see, you know, how can I drive these wedges in a little deeper? How can I pit people against each other? It's it's on the one hand nauseating. It's uh, it's tiresome. Uh, I think it cuts against many of the things that are so wonderful about this country. And so that's one of the reasons why when you first mentioned this a few months ago, you know, I was captivated by the idea and just sort of honored to be able to hear about it from you. So, Krishna, I think this is the sort of thing that uh, appeals to everybody. And it's why I'm so glad, you know, you've, <clears throat> you're able to tell a little more about what's gone on here. The things of the restaurant staying open late, right? You probably had people, you know, welcoming you to their homes and they didn't come out and ask, you know, who are you voting for? They just wanted to celebrate all those things that you've just described here, I think it is, it's profoundly important. Um, and Kristen, you you touched on it a moment ago, but you know, around the country, I'm always in awe when we see these memorials, right? And they're not just this country, but over in Normandy, you know, the ways we have tried to immortalize and memorialize the sacrifices of people who've given their lives for this country. <clears throat> but you're talking about taking it sort of beyond these extraordinary physical memorials and monuments. And you want to create something that's digital that both will endure forever in a different way and be more accessible to more people. So could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I will. I can, I, can I, uh, I want to share a couple uh, stories <clears throat> from, from the road though. And yeah. uh, these are some of my favorite, there's hundreds, but we, yeah. you know, the human brain, at least this human brain can't remember that many. Um, thank goodness that we have good records. Um, you know, uh, there was a, uh, there was a, there, God, some of these are so powerful. I mean, like just so emotionally powerful. Like, I don't know how, like you can listen to them or have interacted with these people and not you know, like, you know, feel something like really, really feel something. And one of these um, uh, stories is a, is a fascinating story and it, and it speaks to why, like the power of, of, of small things, mm -hmm. like the power of small things. Yeah. And uh, I was with one of our uh, Project Relo uh, leaders, a gentleman by the name of uh, Don Richardson. 
this fantastic guy, former Marine. He actually was my battalion commander when I was a platoon commander, first in the fleet, uh, Marine Force. Uh, and uh, anyway, so this gentleman was uh, approached by this man. And this man was bedecked and head to toe in Marine Corps garb. And I see Don talking to him. And as I approach, I'm like, oh, well, so somehow, the, you know, the two Marines, one wearing Marine Corps gear and the other one not, somehow Don was just plain clothed, uh, were somehow, you know, magnetic force drew them together. <laughs> but as I approached, I found out that actually this guy wasn't a Marine. And this wasn't stolen valor or anything. His son, wow. his son, a gentleman by the name of David Michael Sanka, Marine Corps Corporal, Marine Corps Special Operations Command dog handler, was killed in Afghanistan. And uh, he was talking about his son. He was talking about uh, how he perished. He, in fact, he he was killed in one of those uh, green on blue incidents where uh, one of the security guards went rogue and shot a bunch of people behind the line. And he was one of them and uh, in, in a very tragic day. And he's telling us this. And, uh, you know, he's very emotional about this. And this has ha had happened many years ago. By the way, you know, for all of us, when, when we lose somebody, I don't care if it's military or not, it doesn't just go away. Yeah. You know, all we really do when we love that person, we care about them, we just kind of figure out how to make room for it and we continue on. But it never goes away. And I didn't, had not gone away for this father. And the, 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 the point of this story, though, came out when, he said to us, almost under his breath, he pulls out of his jacket, like this, this picture. And it was like right out of a movie. It had been creased and folded and, and it was laminated. And it was, you know, it was this, 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 this photo had seen a lot of miles. Okay. And he hands it to Don as I'm standing there. And he as he says, almost under his breath, he goes, I know you probably won't do this, but if you would, could you take a picture of yourself with my son? You know, when you stop, when you stop at different places. And, uh, you know, we said, oh, yeah, we, we, we can do that. And, of course, you know, he challenged a couple of Marines. And, and so we were definitely going to do that. We sent him hundreds and hundreds of pictures because everywhere we stopped, we would hand we we started to tell the story because it, it grew. I mean, this, this we you know it was just a, it was just a a, a a very quick interaction, but it grew. And every time we stopped, people started to ask, "Can I take a picture with uh, David Michael Sanka?" And we would we would send him these photos, and every one of these photos, Bob, were worth their weight in in gold or some other precious metal to that father. If, if you could have said, here, take this photo, even after, you know, he'd gotten 300 of them, you can have a thousand dollars, 10, $100 bills, or you can have this, uh, this selfie. Yeah. He would have taken that, that selfie with his son every time. And the note that he sent us afterwards in terms of how like impactful that was, yeah. it was, it was, it, 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 it made the trip just that one interaction worthwhile and that is just one i mean there's so many uh stories can i can i tell you a couple more please do please please so uh, that you know that was that was a tough one and and they didn't most of them they weren't really that you know that um the stories themselves weren't actually all that easy but i want to get to the back end about what was so powerful and inspiring about this um uh, one story and, and these are like some of my favorite to tell is i was sitting uh 
across a table from this woman. Her name was Cliffa. And her son uh, was a, uh, a Air Force pilot. And he was killed when his U-28 uh, reconnaissance airplane uh, went down in Djibouti, uh, Africa. Global war on terror. Well, what are we doing there? Well, okay. Global yeah. war on terrorism was way bigger than Afghanistan and Iraq. And uh, because of the nature of the mission, reconnaissance and surveillance, uh, surveillance uh, SRI, surveillance, reconnaissance, uh, uh, intelligence, it was uh, classified. And so this mother knows that her son was killed in, uh, in an aircraft, knows the general area and knows nothing else. And she's telling me this story. And she's saying, I will ask the question of what happened to my son until the day I die. And I'm never going to know. And that hurts more than you can imagine. And anybody that would have anything that they could tell me about my son related to his death or not would be of tremendous value mm -hmm. to me. Now, hold that thought. Anything I could know more about my son related to his death or not would be of great value to this woman. There's a couple things that stand out there, and I'll get to the, the, the themes at the end here. But this woman, as she's telling me this, I mean, think about this. She she gave her most favorite, her most cherished thing, if you will. I don't normally refer to a person as a thing, but the most powerful thing that she ever was involved in in her life, she gave it to this country. She lost it in service of this country. She had every reason then to blame this country, and there she was, dressed in red, white, and blue, probably wearing the gold star and saying that, you know, her son was doing what he loved and doing what he believed in. And then I'm talking to uh, shortly thereafter, two other parents. Uh, and these parents want the, the, the father's an army veteran. Uh, and the mother and father are talking about how they lost their son uh, in, a, in a Kiowa accident. And when their son was killed, and an amazing and powerful thing happened, the the entire unit wrote a letter. Each of them wrote a, a member of the unit wrote a letter to the parents, and in the letter they talked about something about the son, how I met the son, um, maybe something wise or profound, something funny that they did, something they helped me with you know, that he helped with. And they wrote these letters and they had, they, they got this, you know, shortly after his death, they had gotten a stack of letters. You know, they described it like a stack of letters. And uh, of course, the first instinct was to just start ripping through them, reading them, reading them, right? But they got about halfway through and they said, well, we've got to stop, stop. And so they took these, this, this, what they, what the gentleman called to put them in reserve took these letters and put them in reserve. And, and now even to this day, many years later, they will, they still have some, they will open a letter when they open that letter and they read it. And for a moment, you know, for a moment, their son comes back to life, but in the words, in the minds of the squadron mates and their son is back to life. There's an interesting similarity between those stories. Cliffa, I'd give anything to have more information about my son, his death or otherwise. These parents and these letters. And then one last one that I'll kind of round this out, and I could go on forever. Um, <clears throat> I was talking to uh, a, a number of soldiers, these three gentlemen from the um, 
uh, Special Forces Group, 10th Special Forces Group, so the uh, Green Berets uh, out of uh, uh, the Colorado Springs area. And they were uh, talking about how they had lost uh, three brothers, essentially. And uh, they, uh, two to action and one to suicide. And that's important, by the way, because it, there's, there's a, maybe a four story I'll share. But they were, I was talking to these gentlemen. And if you know anything about these guys, these are serious hombres. These are tough, tough, tough people. And yet they're still human. They're still men and women. In this case, they're all men, but they're, they're just humans, right? And they're physically tough. They're mentally tough. And yet the loss of those uh, brothers, those uh, three brothers, weighed on them. And we talked about it. And they shared stories about them. And then they concluded by saying, you know, after the deaths of our uh, three brothers, uh, you know, we got pulled into a, a school circle and, you know, we we're, we're told we talked about it for five minutes and everybody expects us to go on. And it hasn't been that easy. But in talking about uh, our, our, our brothers in arms with someone that cares and that someone that understands, and I quote, is all the therapy that we need. Wow. So on one hand, across this continuum, you have someone that wants information and how much val how valuable it will be. In the second story, you hear how that information brought life back to one of our deceased service members who died while serving this country. And then you heard from three, uh, excuse me, uh, from a group of some of the toughest hombres in the United States military, uh, simply talking and sharing the stories about those that were lost was not just good in, in terms of like the first two stories and the sharing of the information, but there was a reciprocal value for the sharer to get that off their chest. And uh, I'll stop there because uh, I could go on forever and, and uh, I don't <clears throat> want to bore your listeners, but this is, uh, we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these stories and they are across a spectrum of experiences, but they illustrate the, the, the points across that continuum of those three time and time and time again. Yeah. Chris, I'm sorry if it's a naive question. Is there ever any way that uh, the first of the of those three stories you mentioned with Cliffa, is there ever any way she could find out anything about what happened to her son? In that instance, I would say it's doubtful. Yeah. It's just the nature of those uh, missions. It's, it's it's a reconnaissance aircraft, yeah. you know, flying around in the in, in Africa. When remember, it wasn't that long ago we lost some uh, green berets. As a matter of fact, in uh, in the African continent, and we all go, "What do we have military members there?" And, and Congress got all involved. And, and folks, let's not be naive. We got military members everywhere. There's a need for our military members. Yeah. Right. And just in some cases you can talk about it, in some cases you can't. Yeah. That would be one that probably nobody will ever be able to talk about, Bob, unfortunately. Well, but she was there, as you so uh, elegantly described it, you know, in red, white, and blue with her gold star. And, uh, you know, just what an incredibly powerful story you told there about that. And I don't know, I would like to think that she left there feeling better than when she arrived having had the chance to talk well uh, she would have told you she did 
I mean, that was her, I mean, that was the feedback we've gotten time and time again, and we got it explicitly and specifically from Cliffa, from those other two parents, and of course, then from the uh, members of the 10th Special Forces Group. Look, one of the things I've learned uh, on this, uh, on this task force tribute journey, this epic journey of discovery, discovering America, discovering, I mean, I, I'm a military member. I'm a gold star family member. My brother was killed and you, and you, you know that. So I, you think I would have like all the, like I'd have the perspective, but this was a journey of learning and discovery for me. And uh, I, I got to tell you, I, I just marvel at the, 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 the strength and the resilience of these uh, people. And I, I, I respect so mightily respect how, you know, they, they, they might need help or they might want to share, they might want to talk. And, 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 and in so many cases they've realized, and this is part of my, uh, uh, my uh, learning, if you will, is that we're, we're, we're constantly waiting on the government or the VA or this or that, or whatever folks, you know, this, this thing about like honoring and, and preserving the memory and the legacy of our military members, don't wait on anybody. Yeah. If you if you think that there's a, a military member in crisis because of a mental health issue, which is really prevalent right now, hence the 22 days, don't wait for the government. They'll even, the service members will tell you how bad this uh, national hotline, suicide prevention hotline is. A number of them have called it. They said it's terrible. It actually sends them in the wrong direction. And that's dangerous, Right. Uh, if I learned anything, it's that these communities are and can deal with some of these things on their own. The ones that are kind of realizing that I can't wait for the government to figure out are the ones that are really, really doing particularly well. And I, I'd love to have others come to the conclusion that, hey, look, we let's all roll up our sleeves and do this for you know the good of our fellow Americans and work on some of these things through even some of these sort of like tangential activities like building a virtual memorial. The vir building a virtual memorial is probably more of a healing tool than anything, yeah. anything that anybody in the government's doing right now for our, our military veterans, period. Um, and it's worth our uh, investment, our work, and our effort. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Christian, uh, you're a in spite of all your achievements, you're an extremely humble person. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sorry if this question makes you feel uncomfortable, but uh, do you feel that, you know, having raised and shared some of these stories you described, and you said there's hundreds of others, would you say that you would call this your mission, Task Force Tribute, is it a success? Well, I, I got to tell you, uh, in complete candor, I mean, this Project Reload and Task Force Tribute is 100% volunteer, okay? It's a nonprofit volunteer drive, all right? I could go on for a little bit about how any nonprofit that is paying the CEO or executive director like $2 million, they should be completely wiped off. They shouldn't even exist, okay? And by the way, there's a lot of those folks that if you're donating to some of these and you're and, and the people are getting paid to do that, Put your money somewhere else. It doesn't have to be Project Real or Task Force Tribute. Just don't put it there. All right. Uh, sorry, I'm going off on a, a bit of a tangent. There. No, no, you deserve to. Well, I was so, but I what, what my, my what I was worried about though is when you have all volunteers, you you make do with what you have. I mean, it is the law of constraints. It's like a, a startup. Yeah. 
Strangely, it's like being in a startup. And there's all these things that get in your way, right? And there were probably three months prior to the launch of this thing where I actually experienced something that I don't typically experience in life. And that was called stress. Like I'm not a very, I'm a very low stress person. I, 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 I don't know what that is. I'm pretty relaxed, but I was starting to get worried. I was building sort of the nonprofit version of the fire festival, right? <laughs> like, like, like I'm, we're going to roll, we're going to go to, uh, you know, the Lansing, Michigan for the, uh, rollout. And there's, it's, it's just going to be us, right. There's nobody going to be there. Um, nobody to support it, nobody to, you know, and, and I was really worried about it. And so, uh, we had ambitious plans and I will say the following are, um, we somehow, I don't know how this is possible. Somehow we executed this thing almost perfectly according to plan. Now, folks, we covered 80, a total of 8,500 miles in 23 days. That was with several dozen stops. That was with interacting with people all along the way. And somehow we made it every place we needed to be on time, uh, hit the, the points or the impacts or whatever that we wanted. And the only downer of the whole thing was weather in that we got to DC. It was going to be a huge, huge event. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, it decides to rain and so we ended up uh doing a private ceremony just for the gold star family members that came in it was very very small it was muted it was intimate and it was still powerful um but it was disappointing because we were actually looking for like the big visuals we had uh, we were reserved in the mall and whatnot so to answer your question it went um we achieved our goals and it went better than we expected now the hard work of like now trying to build this virtual memorial or find others to take it on either one there's nothing there's no we're not precious about that what's more important is that it happens not that you know we do it right that's let's be clear about that um that work that has to continue but as far as task force tribute uh and did it accomplish its goals i'm shocked to say yes i i'm completely shocked and then i will say one last thing um uh, that's probably why uh, in 22 days, uh, I, uh, let's see, I had three dinners. Uh, and when I say I, I, this is representative of the whole crew. As you know, yeah. there was a bunch of us, right, that did this. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what everybody else did, uh, although I think this is representative because we were kind of locked in vehicles together. I went out to dinner three times. I had two nights where I didn't sleep at all. Like It was like being on a military deployment because we had so much stuff in front of us. Um, and I pretty much lived on beef jerky. <laughs> so, uh, so it was, uh, it was hard, Bob, it was hard, but despite that, um, I have probably, I have definitively not been personally involved in something as impactful as that in my entire life, uh, with maybe the exception, and this isn't hyperbole of, you know, my kids being born. And even then I was more candidly, I was a bystander for that. So this is probably one of the most impactful things that I did. Uh, And, uh, and, you know, they're, they're already asking us to, you know, figure out when and where we're going to do it again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Chris, you, uh, you always deflect any notion about uh, leadership emanating from you and rather talk about it as a detached subject, but I mean, there it is. Uh, somebody had to come up with this idea and I suspect that in different ways, not nearly as deeply or as, 
richly as you brought it up. People said, you know, I should do something about it, but then we don't. Uh, and you you did this with a lot of other things going on. So uh, the <laughs> living on beef jerky, the good thing is there's beef jerky is just about everywhere, right? So you, <laughs> you, you had uh, different sort of food source available, but the sleepless nights, and I can imagine the nights you did sleep, it probably wasn't, you know, eight or 10 hours. So, uh, but just watching you talk about this, um, it just seems like, you know, that just shines through this this impact that it's had so i don't mean that it in any way that you make this about you not at all but the the experiences you had the people you met the lives you touched the stories you raised and i think the people you helped right uh if it was only just being there somewhat passively to listen uh just gave those people those incredible people the strength to just say okay i can do this i can get through this i can go forward Maybe for some of them, it would be not as hard next time to tell somebody else about what went on or just to uh, be able to move forward with a better sense of reflection and memory of what transpired than they had the day before, the day before having met you. So I suspect, Christian, the radiant impact of this across so many people would probably more than even you who were there firsthand could could understand, right? Uh, and this will go on for a long time for those people. And I I think you've you got to feel good about what you and all these other volunteers did. Well, I can say that we are definitely um, very proud of some of the impacts that we had. Um, some of the notes uh, that we've received from the people that we, you know, we're interacting with, um, you know, they, they can't be shared and they probably shouldn't be shared just, but they're, those are often the most precious things. Yes. Um, I, I, I feel that, um, you know, again, this, this, this model that we're in, uh, in, in our, our, our country where our media, you know, you, you have to enrage to engage. Right. And it's, it's driven by business models. It's driven by self-interest, but that doesn't mean that it's driven by reality. And, uh, folks, it, it's, it's incumbent upon all of us to not get lazy and be cynical because cynicism is lazy. If you think something isn't right, then productively, proactively, and constructively, try and fix it. Mm -hmm. And in this case, you know, we had a very clear vision, a very clear purpose, and we had amazing uh, people and volunteers. I can't say enough about people like, you know, Doug and Eric and Don, Renee, Michelle. I mean, I could go down this list of incredible people that put their heart and soul into this thing. And it was because of their efforts and uh, their, their leadership, candidly. It was their leadership to say, um, you know, we, we're going to put ourselves out there. You know, what, what, I mean, what is leadership besides leading by example? It's easy to sit back and just talk, right? I mean, that's, isn't that what so many of our leaders do is they sit back and they talk. Um, uh, these folks actually, uh, did that, but they also listened and they also did. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think we have 350 million minus a handful. Uh, that are are like that on whatever topics are particularly interesting to them. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, Christian, it is, uh, it's been an honor to get to hear these stories from you. Uh, Despite the, you know, the gravity of the situation, right? Talking about the fall and the loss. This is, there's been a, there's a sense of joy of, uh, you know, coming from a lot of the stories you told, right? Making people feel better, helping them, you know, uh, honor, remember, treasure, what they've lost and know that it, it lives on in others that, that share those feelings. Right. Uh, so thank you, man, for, uh, for coming on and being willing to, to share those stories. It was, it's just something very special. And I think any of us who get the chance to hear about what went on there should feel better about the country should feel better about the people who live here. that are often not represented in these high profile things we see in the garbage media, uh, but instead just normal people doing extraordinary things. So Christian, thank you so much. Uh, Taskforcetribute.org, projectreload.org. And should anybody feel interested, not just to go and see some of the remarkable stories you captured there, but also uh, a contribute, I'm saying this, not you. There's certainly places to offer financial support for what's going on here as well. But Christian, it's remarkable. It's remarkable. Thank you so much for, for sharing this. Uh, well, thank you for everything. And if I could leave everybody with a call to action, not about Project Reload, not about Task Force Tribute, but a call to action, and I'll, and I'll do it in the form of a story. Um, I was in Santa Fe, and it's almost remarkable that I can remember where I was when this happened. <laughs> but I was talking to this gentleman. Was a, 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 a great guy. He had uh, 18 uh, years in the army. He was a first sergeant. Uh, four tours in uh, Afghanistan. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, this guy was a. This was a. This was a tough, hard man. In fact, when I was interviewing him, he was a pretty interesting interview because I I was having a hard time, you know, getting him to really talk because he. I mean, even as he was talking to me, and I got all this on video, he was still in like uh, parade rest, which is a a military not attention stance but it's still very deliberate and he was he was he was charming and he was delightful but he was very you know very specific he was you know he was he was still a first sergeant and you could see it it was it was part of him he hadn't been out that long and um he had talked about that uh, serving your country is one of the highest honors that one can have that was his opinion and i happened to think that he's right but that he was talking about that and i asked him i I said well you have children because he had mentioned that and i said so you have four children and what would you tell them about you know joining the military and it was interesting because he it, it kind of flipped a little bit for a second he goes well i would say to my kids that when they join the military like any organization really uh that they are really uh just a number and that the military doesn't care about them but the people in the military will uh-huh. But the military will not care about some of the things that are most important to you. And you need to take care of your mental health. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was an interesting statement that kind of come, you know, that flow of thinking. And I said, well, so talk to me about that right over here. You know, I point over here is the National Cemetery in uh, in Santa Fe, you know, right over here. Um, you know, this place is probably filled with service members that have lost their battle with mental health. Do you do you have any thoughts on that? Now, this this very strong first sergeant, 18 years, four combat tours, 
uh, infantry. You can see it on the video. It's like a crack runs right through him. Like he's so buttoned up and all of a sudden it's like he cracks. And he goes on to say in a voice that's less strong, that's less clear. As his visage cracks, so does his voice. And he says, I lost, I have lost more of my brothers to suicide than I did to combat operations. And I've lost, I lost over a dozen in combat. And then the crack widens. And he goes on to say, and he goes, I don't live thinking about regret, but I don't know how keeping in touch with these people. I didn't know that there was something wrong with them. I didn't know to ask them. I don't know why I didn't know that they were about to kill themselves. And he ends that sentence and I, I don't have a chance to even say thank you. And he does a left face and he like practically runs out because the crack was widening and he was going to lose it. And so folks, I don't tell you this for, uh, you know, take pity on a veteran. I, actually, I don't believe in that shit. I'm, I don't ever swear, Bob, but I'll say that right now. I don't believe in that shit. Okay. But our military members have sustained physical and, and also emotional uh, wounds in service to this country. And so my call to action is I tell you the story uh, to, and all your listeners, if you do know a military member, actually, please don't thank them for your, their service. Actually say, hey, you know, if you ever, ever need someone to talk to, you can talk to me. And if you think I don't understand, you're probably right, but I'm willing to try. I'm willing to try. And that, folks, could save a life. And it could save the life of an American that really risked theirs for all of us. And that's that. That's it, Bob. Thank you. Yeah. Christian, great call to uh, call to action there. Thank you for that and for the whole story. It's extraordinary. Um, always a pleasure, my friend. This has been a very, very special episode. Thank you. Well, thank you. And thanks to all the listeners. Thank you. Absolutely, Chris. And let me join you with that, folks. Thanks for being with us. Very special episode here, Cloud Wars Live with Christian Anschutz talking about Task Force Tribute. And the extraordinary adventure went on there. There's plenty to see at the site that uh, Christian mentioned, taskforcetribute.org and uh, projectreload.org. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next time.